Welcome everyone to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner, and this is our new gear series chat where I'll be sitting down with industry experts discussing everything gear-related topics, whether it's shoes, clothing, nutrition, hydration, you name it, we'll cover it. We just want to help the trail runner understand which product and why. So without further ado, my next guest, Trisha Vith from Runner's Roost. Well, help me turn the turning. Well, help me get it right. Trisha, welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I appreciate you being here and, and ch- talking with me about uh, some of our gear series uh, chats. Uh, today, we're going to be talking running shoes and how to select between the different types of running shoes based on what your need is and, and really what the terrain is. Um, but before I get into the conversation, if you could give me a quick introduction of who you are and, and how long you've been in the industry and what makes you an expert. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, my name is Trisha Veith. I'm the manager at the Runner's Roost here in Boulder, Colorado. Um, previous to the Runner's Roost, my husband and I owned um, a specialty running store as well that we opened up in 2008. So we've been in the industry for, for several years and we are both avid runners. I've been running since elementary <laughs> ages. <laughs> I was actually a sprinter going through high school and college. And once I got out of college, kind of dove into the endurance world and that half half marathon is kind of my sweet spot. So I love to hit the trails, love to get out there and experience what, uh, what the world has to offer. So nice. Well, let's get right into it. The biggest thing is, is and, and most of this conversation uh, to the listener is going to be geared towards the novice trail runner, but we'll, we'll get into some of the differences between the shoes that the ex- experienced trail runner also will, will have some benefit of. So I want to get into what's the difference, first of all, between a road shoe and a trail shoe? That is a very valid question. <laughs> For, for folks that are coming in and considering doing a, uh, a trail shoe, I think there's a few features that it's important to point out. Um, a trail shoe has a more aggressive tread that allows you to grip on different terrains, whereas the road shoe has got a slicker surface, if you will, um, that allows you to kind of sail over a concrete surface much easier. So the, the aggressive tread is one of the, the biggest differences between trail and road. The second difference right along with that tread is that in most, not all, but most trail shoes, they incorporate what's known as a rock plate. That rock plate um, really just protects the bottom of your foot on the different terrains. So if you were to step directly onto a rock, a twig, anything like that, in a road shoe, that implement can go directly into your foot and you feel it. Uh, with the rock plate, however, in a trail shoe, it disperses that throughout the shoe. So you don't feel that direct impact on the bottom of your foot. Is there a difference in uh, like the weight of, of trail shoes versus road shoes? There used to be, actually. There used to be quite a big difference where the trail shoe is much heavier, but they've come along so well um, with lightening up a trail shoe anymore that you you really can't tell a difference. Wow, that's nice because yeah. that's always one of the biggest things is, you know, is uh, especially for, for guys like myself who are a little bit bigger frame, I, you know, I, I hate having a, a clunkier shoe on. I like to have a lighter shoe on. So sometimes that 
I've always had to, you know, that, that thing that worried me the most was, okay, I don't, I want a great trail shoes, but I don't want it to be super heavy. Right. Yeah. And we'll actually sell a lot of trail shoes to those that are just hiking as well. Cause they don't exactly what you're saying. They, a hiking boot tends to be heavier. It's not as breathable. It's made of leather. Um, it goes a little bit higher over the ankle, those sort of things. And it's just a little bit cumbersome for some folks. So even hikers tend to benefit from a running trail shoe. And you know, we're talking about the rock plate uh, on the shoe. Um, does that incorporate the how the tread turns out to be a little bit different? Because I, I know there's tons of different tread on trail running shoes, um, you know, from a from more of a technical side of things to like maybe like a, a mid-level or like a transition uh, shoe as well, right? So is, yeah. does the rock plate change between the different shoes? And then what's the, what are the differences between, between those, that tread? Yeah. So the, I guess the most versatile rock plate of all of them comes in a shoe from a brand called Ultra. It's a zero drop, wider toe box type of shoe. And in its its most minimalist um, model called the Superior, the rock plate is actually removable. So you stick it in just as if you were sticking in an insole, essentially. So you can take it out or put it in however you need it. Um, but most shoes will have that rock plate actually built into the tread. Now, it doesn't necessarily, whether it be a carbon rock plate or some other different material, it's, it doesn't really affect how the tread looks. But you do have different types of treads on different types of trail shoes. Um, there is definitely a harder grip on some like a Solomon or something like that. Um, that's really good to grip on really technical trails. If you're going to go up to a 14 or something like that, where it can be some loose pebbles, that sort of a thing. But I would say for around here in our area, you can get away with, you know, the most best selling trail shoe we have here in Boulder is the Saucony Peregrine, for example. It's got a really nice aggressive tread to it, but it's not over aggressive. It's actually one of those shoes I would consider one of those transitional shoes. I have worn them on the road before um, and it doesn't wear the nubs down because they've just got a little bit more flexibility to them versus some others. One of the things that um, I've seen and one of the, one of the shoes and one of the companies that's been a sponsor of the Endurance Trace Series in the past has been on running mm-hmm. shoes. So they've got those really super thick nubs at the bottom. Yeah. What's the difference between a shoe like that that's got those big, big nubs versus like your Saucony, like you were talking about? Yeah. So, so Anna's actually got a really fun story to it. Um, I recently met with the sales rep and she kind of gave me a little tech uh, session on the on shoes and some gentleman um, is a Swiss made shoe, but a gentleman was in his backyard and he was walking through his backyard barefoot and stepped on the garden hose. And he liked the feel of stepping on the garden hose with his bare feet. So he then ended up creating, yes, he ended up creating um, this shoe. They, they call them the clouds, but it was really designed around a garden hose. So the <laughs> bigger nub is essentially, I think it was his way. This is my interpretation of it. His way of massaging his feet while he runs. So it's kind of got that bigger nub that kind of protects the bottom of the foot in a much different feeling and much different way than what you'd get off normal tread on any other kind of brand. As long as I've, I've known the reps and, and the company, I actually had never known that story. So that's interesting. <laughs> I thought it was um, kind of a fun little twist on their brand. <laughs> yeah, right. So let's go back to, uh, you mentioned zero drop. Um, mm-hmm. How is that, is zero drop something that trail runners should look into? Or is that like an important thing uh, for trail runners? 
You know, again, all personal preference, and it depends on where someone's at. Zero drop, meaning that there's no height difference between the forefoot and the heel. It's just as if you're running barefoot with a little bit of sole underneath your foot. Um, The benefits of that is that you can feel the ground underneath you. You can kind of grip with your toes and have a little bit better security. Um, However, on the flip side, if you are dealing with any sort of aches, pains, or issues, any joint issues, anything like that, a little extra cushion doesn't hurt. (laughs) Um, So so something like a hoka, for example, would be the complete opposite extreme as far as cushioning goes between something like a superior and a hoka. But even a hoka is only a four to five millimeter drop shoe. So ironically, if if the folks listening to the podcast today are familiar with some of the shoes, it's deceiving because um, something like the Brooks Cascadia, very popular trail shoe is actually a 10 millimeter drop shoe, meaning the heel is 10 millimeters higher than the forefoot. Now, when I, when I look at someone and, and someone comes in for a shoe fitting, I ask a bunch of questions, first of all, to find out what their experience is, it, is what they're currently in, what's working for them, that sort of thing. If any customer comes in that has any sort of issues on the backside of their body, so hamstrings, calves, plantar fasciitis, heels, ankles, those sort of things, I typically will put them in a little bit of a higher drop shoe because that releases or relaxes the calf muscle and allows um, a little bit of extra cushioning in that heel area um, that can relieve some of those tensions. If they have no issues at all, they're the type of person that goes home and kicks their shoes off right when they walk in the door and they love walking around barefoot. They live in flip-flops in the summer, that sort of a thing. Then they might be a good candidate for a zero drop shoe because that's what their body's used to. Um, so you mentioned like the the heel cup and, and the toe box. That always brings up a, a question I always have is uh, when you're looking at a trail shoe and, you know, based on the on, on the elevation gains in the terrain and stuff. Do you usually recommend that maybe they go a little bit like higher up in the shoe size? Like do you go a half size bigger just to give a little bit of movement in that shoe or, or what's your, your take on, on uh, having that extra room versus keeping that shoe snug like, like you do for most road shoes? Yeah. Well, with any shoe that you have laces, I'm just going to generalize it as that any shoes that have laces, when you put the shoe on, you should tap your heel back into that heel cup securely before you lace it up. Um, So before you lace and tie that pretty bow, make sure that that heel is all the way towards the back. That gives you ample amount of wiggle room. And even when you are descending down a steep hill, rocky terrain, anything like that, it prevents your foot from sliding forward in the shoe. So based on that concept, what we look for is a half to a full thumb's width between the end of your longest toe and the end of the shoe. Typically in a trail shoe, I'll go more towards that full thumb's width, but it doesn't necessarily equate out to a half or a full thumb size more for most folks. Um, I'm keeping the same size in everything for me, from my dress shoe to my trail shoe to my road shoe, everything. Um, Some people will go up in size, but that is more so not because of the room needed, but it's more so the thickness of the socks that they're wearing for that particular activity. So if you're running in the winter and you were going to wear a big, thick, darn tough or smart wool sock or something like that, you might want to go up a half side. So so you've got room for that wiggle room. However, in the middle of summer, when you tend to swell more with the heat, you might want to go up a half size for that. But the general rule is as long as you um, tap that heel back, make sure it's secure in the heel cup before you lace up and you've got the half to a full thumbs width between the end of your longest toe and the end of the shoe, you should be good. And that's always a big thing that, like I said, that's always a big thing that I end up trying to decipher is do I give a little bit extra room because you're going to be going like when you're going downhill and you're your foot wanting to hit that top of that shoe like that's like one of the worst things that you can walk away from yeah. from a you know, from a trail runner 
perspective. So many blisters that happen that way. Blisters um, and the lovely blackened toenail. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you're not a trail runner if you haven't had one of those. You have a lost toenail. You're not a trail. Runner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, by the way, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk uh, like stability in shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, do when you build out like a like the stability in the shoes are those built out the same way as running shoes are or sorry road running shoes are because i'm i'm also somebody who likes to have a really good stable shoe i'm I'm not a i'm not a zero drop kind of guy so i like to have something that's really stable is a trail shoe built the same way from a stability standpoint it's actually not it's not okay no so so there's many different kind of meanings to stability. So if you go to the true meaning in the specialty running industry, stability means that the inner arch is built up with a little bit harder foam to lift that arch and keep your joints in alignment. You'll get that in a road shoe um, with a stability road shoe, but most trail shoes now have moved to more of a neutral stance. And what that means is that inner arch material is not there to lift the arch. They keep it neutral because on a trail, you're not putting one foot in front of the other, you're stepping from open spot to log to rock, you know, you're all over the place. So if you stabilize that too much, you're more apt to sprain an ankle, kind of twist and turn in areas where you shouldn't be twisting and turning. Um, There are a few different models and brands out there that do still make a stability trail shoe. Um, They're few and far between now though. Really? Uh, Yeah, they're few and far between. So if someone is looking for that kind of arch support needs to keep their joints in alignment, that sort of thing. We more so gear folks towards either generic or custom insole inside the shoe, which still allows their foot to move more naturally for the terrain that they're on, but it doesn't hold them or, or limit motion, if you will, with that stability. My last question is, is as people are getting into the sport, um, would it be something like, you know, I was talking to actually, let me, let me back up for a second. So I was talking to uh, Nancy Hobbs, from the American Trail Running Association just the other day. And and we were talking about kind of, you know, we got into a conversation about shoes really quick. And she had mentioned she's got, I don't know, 10 to 12 different pairs of running shoes in her in yep. her arsenal, which a lot of people don't have that opportunity to do so. Right. So for those that are in the sport currently or looking to get into the sport, is there, you know, is it something where they should keep like try and have like a transitional shoe that can go over like your more of a groom trail um, scenario and then also have something that's a little bit more of a, a rocky terrain shoe or what's what's your take on on somebody just getting in to the sport you know is it better to have you know just one shoe that can be an all-round shoe or is it something that you should look in doing a, a couple different pairs great question <laughs> um i, I honestly i I think it depends on where the person's at. Um, Like you said, if they're brand new and they're just trying it out, they don't know if that's actually something that they want to do. They can get away with a road shoe on a groom trail. If they're already in something, I always suggest that they try the trail with that first and, and see if it's even an aspect that they like. You know, maybe they'll get up there and they'll be like, whoa, this is not for me. I rarely hear that because trails are absolutely gorgeous where we live. But at the same time, I don't want to force multiple pairs of shoes on someone if that's, if it's not an activity that they're certain about. Ideally, however, if you know that this is the right thing for you and you want to explore more and get out there in nature, 
Absolutely. A road shoe is going to be going to fit you better and be more efficient for you on the road and vice versa with the trail. So trail with that aggressive tread, the rock plate, the kind of extra gusseted upper, all that sort of stuff. It's just really going to help um, make that trail experience much more pleasant for you. Right. And how often, uh, it brings up some other questions for me. So how often should uh, somebody trade out their trail running shoes? Yeah. So this is a very, very common questions for folks that come in. Most people will look at the tread of a shoe, the bottom of the shoe. And if they see a wear pattern, they'll think that their shoe's worn out. Whereas actually, if you take your shoe off and stick your hand very bravely, mind you, stick your hand inside of your shoe where the ball of your foot hits. If you feel a little indent, like a pothole in a road or rumble strips in a road, that means the support mechanism of the shoe is starting to break down. So you want to put your hand inside to find out. Now, most generally, shoes are going to last you between three to 500 miles. If you aren't one that keeps track of your mileage, six to nine months, somewhere in that time frame. I personally, my personal experience is when my knees start to hurt, I need a new pair of shoes. <laughs> so yeah. that tells me the support's breaking down. My body's starting to feel it. That, you know, that kind of achiness happens. It's not as comfortable to go out for a trail run. That's when I know I need a new pair of shoes, which typically for me is between the six and seven month range. I assume the same rule applies if you're getting into a, you know, a race is coming up. Mm-hmm. you're not going to want to buy a brand new pair of trail running shoes a day or two before. Is this correct? <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> yes. Now I will say though, if you're going from, let's say that Saucony Peregrine to a Saucony Peregrine, most likely you're going to be okay. But I okay. would still, I honestly would still give it a few weeks to just wear it a few times, make sure it's broken in a little bit, fits your foot. It hasn't changed its model for any reason that doesn't fit you anymore. You don't want to find that out on race day. Yeah. And I feel that that seems to be still the common thing is somebody will go out and say, ah, I I got a new, you know, new race coming or a race coming up. I need a new pair of shoes that week, you know? And it's like, no, don't do that. Just (laughs) don't do it. Stay stay in the old pair until you get past the race and then jump into the new pair train and train then. Well, Trisha, thank you so much for uh, being on the gear chat again today and, and helping our our listeners uh, with the differences between, you know, trail and road shoes and and the differences between what those trail shoes styles are. So I appreciate it. And thank you. We'll speak to you soon. All right. Keep adventuring. Mm -hmm.